from City Media in Melbourne. You're listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike, a podcast all about neurodiversity. Hi, you're listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike, here with Alan and Jono over in Adelaide. Um, today, we'll be talking about travel. And yes, we will be. Yep, about just, you know, every aspect and, you know, how the emotions that we project whilst we're in a place that's not home. So, Jono, you're from Sydney, aren't you? Um, well, I'm from Adelaide, but I live in Sydney at the moment. Um, and I lived in Adelaide until I was about 23, and then I moved out and I went moved to Sydney to start an internship. An internship? Um, Whereabouts? At Oyster Magazine. Ah, right. Nice. Yeah, and um, now I do stuff for IB Magazine, and I run a zine publication called Vane, which is all about exploring, diversifying gender um, and sexual diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also contribute occasionally to Heaps Gay and um, I'm just a freelance writer and artist and photographer. So, And then being, yeah. a, being a freelance, um, there's a lot of moving around isn't it like for example Adelaide to Sydney well yeah I mean like I don't have I mean I don't have to do that but it's useful because um traveling back to Adelaide means that I can maybe do some work here or like photograph someone here that I wouldn't be able to in Sydney Mm -hmm. um and it kind of also opens my mind a bit and puts me out of my comfort zone and that lets me come up with ideas I might not have necessarily come up with before which is like a positive thing um and yeah i think people definitely don't take into account interstate or inter-country travel when they actually talk about the concept of like travel tm do you know what i mean like um it's not often regarded in the same way which i understand but i think that for a lot of people the idea of traveling outside of your country of birth or the country that you live in um is actually kind of unreachable and inaccessible unless you have the money and time, which, you know, a lot it's of people... always time, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not... It's definitely a luxury. And the ability also to travel safely and, like, pass through borders um, without any sort of event is also something that is a huge privilege in itself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are some things that I've been thinking about when it comes to travel... And um, I certainly feel like, as someone who um, has lived experience with mental illness, including things like anxiety disorders, um, depression, PTSD, Mm -hmm. um, and all those exciting things, um, it's really interesting observing myself um, reacting to situations and kind of being being my own boyer when it comes to my emotional responses to stuff. Um, and seeing how that enacts in the everyday, especially when I'm in a new environment. Yeah, um, um, always being in a new environment for me, I feel like at first it's really daunting because you're not home or anything. And like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a weird feeling, but I, I somehow get really excited. At, like, mm. even though I have I have a whole spate of mental related stuff as well borderline depressed uh, you know being on the spectrum and all but you know when I travel mm-hmm. I feel like it doesn't really exist anymore yeah yeah that's really um, interesting 
Do you feel like that's a positive thing? Yeah, um, it goes under this whole concept that's been the rage lately, mindfulness or something, right? Yes, yes, we've talked about this. Um, mindfulness is very trendy at the moment. Um, and although I've kind of read things from people who have tried mindfulness and have actually like um, had bad experiences because of it, um, travel can be a really interesting and useful way to just like automatically switch that sensibility on. I mean, the kind of mindfulness we see, talk we see being talked about in the cultural consciousness at the moment is very much like in the same way you would hear someone talking about like juicing or like dieting, do you know what I mean? Like it's just like a trend. But this has been something that has like been practiced for thousands of years and it's like part of meditation and part of like religious ceremony and um, is, has been proven to like really reconnect people with um, their like personhood and to appreciate and be grateful of just like the things that are around them as opposed to stressing about the future. Yeah, um, you know, in our globalizing world, we've just got so many worries to look at, you know, what we have to do tomorrow, what we have to do now, who do we have to meet, who do we have to call, you know, on and on and on. And, you know, yeah. As you said, you know, being on holiday mode, <laughs> it, it's like an obligation to not, to not worry about those things. Yeah, precisely. And it's a privilege. And it's something that is really exciting if you're someone who finds it hard to switch off those things um yeah i mean the idea of being mindful for me is like really tough because i kind of can't be sometimes because of my life structure and because of my career i always have to be thinking about what i have to do next week what i have to do tomorrow i have to like i can't really afford to be in the space i'm really thinking times of, as well yeah? yeah yeah it's it's interesting um yeah, I just don't ha often have like the mental space to consider the, that stuff um, because I, ha as part of my job, I'm constantly having to think outside of my current space. And I'm sure a lot of people could relate to this. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, Same yeah. I can relate to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the point of mindfulness is to challenge that. But, you know, when you've built a lot of your own functionality and sense of self, and sense of productivity on not necessarily being mindful in that way, it's really, really hard to get out of that habit. And it might not actually be beneficial to you in terms of where your life is at to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, also I think people aren't mindful because they're often trying to escape stuff or run away from things that they don't feel emotionally ready to address yet. And I think this is where I've read kind of horror stories about mindfulness because people who might actually have had things like trauma will try mindfulness and they'll be like triggered and like reminded of things that they were actually trying to avoid and they weren't in the right space to address it without like a psychologist or like a supportive friend around them and then they just like kind of had a meltdown. I think that's really interesting. Too often in our society that um, there's just not enough, like there's just no spaces for people to be able to, you know, cathartically release all of that pain and anger that's transferred yeah. in life. Like, I feel like mindfulness and having like a small space to yourself, whether it is on a train or in a park, it, it helps the recovery process. Not overnight, it does. but gradually, it does. you know? It does. That's all we can do um, in these days anyway. Like, we can't do anything else. 
Yeah, there's not really much we can do because our culture is constructed in a way that doesn't allow us. The capitalist culture, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's built very consciously to maintain certain power structures, and those power structures um, are not often positive to our mental health. In fact, they actively seek to undermine our health in general and to kind of keep us constantly fighting. Um, yeah, it's so I guess my battle. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess like when I have the money, I find that it's really good for me to even just like go to Melbourne, visit Melbourne for like a week, <laughs> or to like visit Adelaide and go back to um, see friends and family, um, because that money goes a long way and allows me to get outside of my comfort zone again. Um, while at the same time see friends and experience new things and just yeah, really just like trigger good stuff, you know. Yeah, and like trigger that sense of mindfulness for me that isn't maybe in the way that you would traditionally hear about that, but it's definitely a form of mindfulness because when you're in a different place from where you are based, usually you consider all the details. Um, you're really living within the moment because it's kind of this exciting like like primeval rush of newness. Um, yeah, so I, I try to do that pretty often. I find that really positive. And I think people are always being seen like, whoa, you go into state so much and you travel so much. And it's like, well, this is like, you know, like my sense of therapy. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people don't understand. They're like, oh, what about the money? What about being away from family? Or what about being away from work? You know, it's like, it's more like you're going to, you're going there so that your life, your family and whatever becomes more enhanced in a way, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, you gain a deep appreciation for the things you already have in life when you travel and stuff as well. Yeah. In the process. Yeah. I mean, like, if I had a lot of money, I would travel elsewhere. But, like, traveling within Australia is, like, an achievable it's option pretty amazing, yeah. Um, have you been overseas much? Uh, yep, yeah, I've been to nine countries. Wow. I've been to uh, Bali, the Philippines, mm-hmm. Singapore, yep. Malaysia, China, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Cambodia. Cool. And I've been to Sydney, Adelaide, <laughs> and um, the Gold Coast. Great. That's, yeah, that sounds pretty similar to me. I've been to Europe. Awesome. So, like, I would love to go to the Philippines. Um, a few years ago, and I actually found that that was during a time when I was like quite, quite depressed mm. and... Um, I went to Europe and like came back and felt like really grateful for so the, trip the ability you. to do that. Um, yeah, no, quite a lot. I remember being really shocked that it really that it almost like lifted me out of this depression um, because yeah. I was just like feeling productive and feeling like I had value or something and like that I was learning all these new things um, and then realized that like my mental illness was very situational and environmental because of that and that kind of gave me the cues to address those things, which was, like, a really great thing. I mean, the thing is, is that, like, you know, um, not many people have the ability to do that, and not many people have the ability to be like, oh, I'm struggling, I'm just going to go to Europe. Like, that's, like, a total privilege. Like, my parents paid for it um, when I was living with them at the time, um, and they'd, like, never done anything like that for me before, so I was, like, really surprised. It was a worthy investment. I mean, people have been traveling for what? since the existence of, you know, humankind, like, and it's worth yeah. I know I, I can't 
throwing empirical evidence right now, but if you look at it, it's like, you know, people do change after they travel. Mm. Yeah. What What do you know about that? Um, I don't know. I think it's like the whole holiday mode thing as mentioned. It's just yeah, a lot of uh, it's like avoiding the problems in a way, but it's like putting a lot of weight off yourself because mm. you're being in the moment. You know, you're looking at the sights in front of you. You're talking to the local. You're eating the local food, and you know, you you probably won't have good internet service, so you won't have to like look at emails or texts or what whatnot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, that's definitely a thing that I feel like kind of compromises my um, my ability to be connected with myself is, like, like checking my emails and, like, checking social media and constantly being on guard with that stuff. Whereas, like, when you're overseas, it's like, oh, everything else here is so much more important. I'd much rather, like, go sightseeing or just, like, go for a walk down the road and see something new. Like, those things are all kind of prioritized and I think maybe they should always be um, but obviously like not all of us can do that because yeah. we have to be always checking emails and stuff gotta, be, so gotta like get back to reality somebody. at some point hey <laughs> yeah yeah um, so yeah I've had a bit of experience with travel and um, it's yeah it is really interesting like it, it is a bit scary knowing that your home is away from you but I think in those sort of situations there's always like a safe place you know, you can go, um, that is different to your home, but still has that element of security. Yeah, it's, it's um, mysterious in a way, isn't it? Like, yeah, how? whether it be a hotel room or a friend's place or something like that. Or just, um, you know, just walking through the streets, sitting on a bus or something. You're just like, you know what, mm, I feel like I belong here. And yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to mental health, belonging is very important because a lot of us don't feel like we belong because, you know, we've been labeled with, oh, depressed or... Anxious, mm. that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's a really good point. I've been labelled my whole life, so. <laughs> um, yeah. You, have you had any experiences of uh, you know being labelled and whatnot? Like you know. Well, yeah. I mean, like that's always been something I've kind of navigated. Um, whether that be due to like mental health stuff, or whether it's due to like gender or sexuality, um, those are all things that I feel kind of make you a bit ostracized. Yeah. Um, and I do I do think, yeah, I mean, the great thing about travel is that it allows you to speak to meet other people who might look the same as you or, like, feel the same way as you or talk the same way that you do and you might never have had the opportunity to do that in your hometown. And you didn't know those people existed at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, the internet makes it apparent that those people might exist but to actually be there and to actually see them to is actually like, talk to them and know have their presence is it's beyond yeah. it transcends the internet you know or phone it's just you know it's it's, it's intrinsic in you know, the human connection human bonding that kind of thing mm, yeah um those yeah those things are really important um and i mean like the physical presence of someone else being there who can, you can empathize with is totally still valid I mean like just because the internet has made that a bit different like that doesn't mean that those things can still be like really interesting phenomena that um yeah validate your existence and stuff have you made any close friends over the internet yeah yeah I've made like like a lot of them like most of my friends 
I've, I've used on that through the internet or have like strengthened my relationship with them through the internet. I guess we're uh, on the internet as well because I haven't met you yet and like we're now talking in a, ra- a radio station or you're in a cafe. So there's, yes, there's that element. True. You know? It is true. I am in a cafe. Guys. If anyone's yeah. listening here, you know, this is real. <laughs> this is real life. Um, yeah, and I think like also meeting those people through the internet has made traveling so much more exciting because then I can meet these people and breaks um, down the barriers thank you globalization <laughs> yeah I, I just love globalization so much <laughs> it just has done wonders for me um but yeah so I guess that's another element of travel that has been affected by internet stuff and the ability to meet like-minded people yeah, and the ability to meet people important. who share your local experiences and emotions and stuff um yeah is really powerful. Um, have you had any experiences like that? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I've met a lot of people who I deem close from the internet. In fact, one of them lived about five minutes from where I lived and I was like, no way, you know? Wow. <laughs> and um, one of my really good friends, she lives in Sydney. I've yet to met her, but we've been talking for like three years now. Wow. Since year That's 10, exciting. you know, we, we kind of like graduated high school together as well and experiencing uni like in very different places but very similar experiences oh this lecture oh this stupid essay <laughs> yeah yeah but, so you, you know, can't common ground able to empathize somehow with some you don't know what they sound like or you haven't met you know it's just it's hard to explain it's just just this warm fuzzy feeling that's how mm. far i can say it yeah that's really great um, um on the point about travel and life what do you think of people molding their life, like making travel the life force? Because that's something I do. Like I want to travel for the rest of my life. I want my job to consist of traveling. You know, something like you're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, like I never really considered myself to be one of those people, but it's definitely, um, you know, experiencing different things and being in uncomfortable situations is something I encourage myself to do. So I suppose traveling is part of that in some sense. Yes, same here, definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I can see how a lot of, for a lot of people that would be like a really great goal and a great way to um, always have something to look forward to, which is like something that we need to have if we want to have like a good um, like balance in our life is to, you know... diversity in our life as well. Like instead of just going on a train, looking at emails or going in uni, it's like, oh, you know, in two weeks you've got an internship here then you've got a meeting over there. It's like, mm. yeah. Precisely. Um, I mean, I guess there is that danger of people who kind of construct their whole identity around that and their whole social media presence around that. And it's like, oh, this week I'm in Fiji or, and then like this week I'm in Canada. And it's like, you know. And they forget oh, this, what they're doing. It's almost like, well, I mean, they, that kind of image is very much predicated on money. And um, yeah. I'm sure that makes people feel really shit to know that, like, there are people who, like, don't even think about that kind of thing and, and take that stuff for granted and, like, are kind of building this image on that when it's actually just, like, you literally have so much privilege. Like, it's not something you've really earned or anything Let's like that. Let's be real here. You know, social media is all about trying to present privilege, privilege you know, and wealth I guess like so, so yeah shit to an extent like that see this well, is a lot of the time sorry a lot of the time a lot of the time it is yeah I mean you think about the people who like 
do something similar with like the things they buy or like clothes and it's like they'll post a photo of like some new shoes they bought on Instagram and it's like wow this is so exciting you bought something congrats to you congrats and, you got money to buy it and you know cool yeah nice. like like wow I'm so fascinated with like your diverse emotional like um, spectrum and personality like it's just not something that impresses me um, I guess it's kind of like a similar thing and I like don't really take people seriously if they're that invests in that kind of um, facade or something. So yeah, yeah. About, yeah, there's a lot of facades going on around. There's nothing wrong with like wanting no, to travel and to like, yeah, um, to want to attain those things. But travel is an industry, and um, very much based on money, which is something we often forget. Yeah. Um, do you, do you feel like there are any other aspects of traveling that people who might not have your kind of diverse, like, um, experiences of mental health, um, you know, do you feel like that there are things that they might not experience that you might experience in, like, a unique way? Can you elaborate on that? Like, I'm just trying to wrap this around my head at the moment. Like, do you, do you think there are unique ways you might experience traveling? that like neurotypical people might not. Yeah, um, this is going to sound crazy, but I, I get really excited waking up at three in the morning to go to the airport. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going somewhere. This is yeah. the of a journey. Like the sense of purpose or something. I feel like a kid again, you know, like, you know, I there are often moments in our lives when we want to feel like a child again, you know, less responsibility, less worry. I agree, and then I agree. Being able to travel, you know, puts you back into time a bit but at the present mm. at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like this paradox that's happening. Yeah, no, I think that's something that I've noticed that, it, that I find exciting too. And even just like getting in a plane is exciting. And um, I definitely do feel like that sense of going somewhere or like moving forward is something we really, really strive to kind of capture. And travel mm, just yeah. happens to do that yeah, really well. Um, because it makes us feel like we're progressing or we're like having some like, you know, personal transformation to all of those things feed into each other. Um, and that can really be like really hopeful for someone who like is suffering from depression or something like that. Um, it can really like bolster you and like kick you out of a rut in some way. Um, so yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, and then, you know, you know, when you get down to you, you land after you get through immigration or you just get to the baggage area, it's like mm. you see your luggage, you're like, oh, this is the beginning again. And then you yeah. out. as soon as you walk out to the arrivals, you see all these locals and you just feel the like the atmosphere. You're like, whoa. Mm, totally. Especially, all these little details become exacerbated. Yeah, like you, you become mindful. <laughs> mm, yeah, precisely. Um, which yep. kind yeah. of leads us back to what we were originally talking about. Mindfulness. Yeah. I know this is mindful, but... I'm quite excited about my next travel plans. Hopefully, they come through. Yeah. I'm planning to go to either Canada mm -hmm. or Japan soon. So. Yeah, I've been to Japan. How's Japan? Only to Tokyo, though. Um, yeah, it was just like the most beautiful, well-designed, um, incredibly interesting, exciting city. Um, it's so different, and I, and I was surprised. It? I was surprised by how kind of like a micro it is like it mm. it doesn't it doesn't have the same vibe to it as somewhere like hong kong or singapore where there's just like these huge skyscrapers everywhere 
and everything is like so technically it's like logically microcosms within microcosms. Yeah, well, Japan is like has much more of a unique relationship with the natural environment, and like actually accommodates it, and like um, you know, I don't feel like it was as intimidating mm. as like those other major cities can be. Even in like some of the busiest Japanese suburbs, it's like you know, it still feels very much like it could be like somewhere in Melbourne or something. Yeah, which which is like great. I really um, really appreciated that. Do you ever like see those pictures of like apartments and you see in the boxes a person sitting at the desk or a person just standing on a phone call? Yeah, mm-hmm. that those pictures like kind of represent Japan for me because it's like different lives, different mini communities within like a big space. Yeah, like, no, it's totally like that. It's like the vibes are just so different, but it's really fascinating at the same time. Mm, yeah, it's really great, and um. Everything just seems so efficient and like well planned and like really well considered, and it's also just so great for tourists. Their public transport is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really great. <laughs> My um, game, get your game on. <laughs> I actually felt like some of the kind of travel, like the train trips I had, reminded me of Sydney in a lot of ways. But Sydney is a lot dirtier. So, how's the Opal card? <laughs> um. Not bad. It's quite expensive though. Like I recently went to Sydney and it was a it's like seven bucks from Bankstown down to uh, Central. Wow. Central, St. James. Wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, and then the, the um the Opal machines you can only use card and only had cash. I was like, are you serious right now? Mm, <laughs> so I have to yeah. use um tickets, which is uh really uh bygone. <laughs> yeah, it literally is what we desired. See, that's another um, small detail, like comparing Melbourne to Sydney, you know, we, we, we've ditched tickets about three, four years ago, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Adelaide is just in the process of doing that, I think. You guys have this really uh, unique um, bus system, the O-Barn or something? Yes, and actually it's being extended at the moment to go right into the heart of the city. Is it fast? Um, like, is it effective? It is really fast, and it's like kind of cool, actually. Um, I mean, like, right now, it kind of feels outdated in comparison to, like, a lot of the train systems in Melbourne and Sydney, but, um, yeah, it's still kind of great. We've got our trams, um, <laughs> so that kind of yeah. replaces the whole purpose of Obard. Well, well, like, 30 years ago or something, 20 years ago, tra- Adelaide had trams, and now it only has, like, one, oh. which, like, goes, goes from the Adelaide Entertainment Centre through the city and then to Glenelg, oh, Glenelg. Um, yeah, which, yeah. which is, like, the main beach, yeah. Um, I've been there, yeah. pretty nice. <laughs> Yeah, hang on a sec. That's okay. Um, yeah, it's it's really great. I think we're almost at the half an hour mark. Yeah, we're nearly there. Um, just one yeah. last point about you know connecting nature and travel. Um, mm-hmm. Melbourne's currently building something called Sky Park or something. So it's like an elevated park surrounded by skyscrapers overlooking the city. What do you think? Wow, about that? I think that's a really cool idea. Um, and more space like for mindfulness. Nice- yeah, I mean, especially within the city, right? Like, yeah, hot at the city, where, almost. That's where those things are needed the most. Um, I really like that concept of, like, combining, like, metropolitan concepts with, like, gardens. The concrete or, like, <laughs> Yeah, and, like, or, like, you know, those places that have, like, gardens on their rooftop or, like, um, you know, have, like, gardens, like, on the side of the building, which is, like, yeah. a, which is, like, something that is, um, 
on the central, uh, in Sydney, the central plaza, like on the side of like all these yeah. plants and stuff. Um, I'm really looking forward to like seeing more of that stuff happen and seeing like nature and like technology and the city coexist in a really, um, like peaceful way. There's a reason why Central Park in New York has not been smashed down by, by skyscrapers. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's own magic. Like, people go there to relax. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like exceedingly popular. Or the Boston Commons in Boston. <laughs> Hyde Park in Sydney, as I guess. Mm -hmm. Using a local example, I was just sitting there with my friend, and then my friend's just like, crap, we're in the city? I was like, oh yeah, we're in the city. <laughs> Yes, true. But, right in the middle of the city. But yeah, uh, we've reached the thirty-minute mark. Unfortunately, we have to go, which is sad because I was getting—I was really getting into this conversation. It's yeah, I'm glad you are. <laughs> um, thank you for listening to Great Minds Don't Think Alike. We'll finish off with a pre-recorded package by our other reporter. Uh, thank you and bye from Alan and Jono. Jono, see ya. Last week, I went to see Genius, a performance directed by Amelia Ducker, St Martin's Theatre and theatre works that was led by Neurodiverse Youth. Neurodiversity and disability theatre and art is somewhat in vogue right now. Sometimes this is jarring, other times it's excellent. And Genius thankfully fell into the later category. If I had to mention only one thing that Genius did that was amazing, it would be that they clearly decided not to explain what autism is or the fraught politics of neurodiversity. This meant that dry, awkward discussions didn't mar the performance and the audience could truly focus on the six young people and the discussions that they wanted to have. What were those discussions? It was royalty, Gough Whitlam, linguistics, art, endangered species and life advice. So how did the performance run? Audience members were allocated into two groups. The two groups were chaperoned from station to station to meet each performer and learn from them. Due to the mobility of the audience, the piece felt more like a festival rather than a typical theatre performance. In the end, there was a quick congregation of all the performers and the audience in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame, I should mention, was the only place where autism was explicitly discussed, as the photos of notable autistics and their biographies were placed on the wall. Was the discussion between performers and audience shaped by this? Not really. Genius gives a great blueprint for future projects. While I'll say that's somewhat stereotypical to ask an autistic person to discuss their special interest, it is far more humanising than other methods. Oftentimes people with disability are asked to tell their story in a motivational speaker-like way. And this makes for a very artificial and uncomfortable experience for both audience and performer. Genius carefully subverted the otherwise problematic human library, or if you're a bit more alarmist, human zoo approach, by giving performers power. Rather than being a spectacle, the performers were lecturers, they were teachers, they held the power in the space, and it was very, very comforting to see that. I am looking forward to see if others will use Genius's blueprint in other explorative theatre projects in the future. <laughs>